1: The Athletic
2: The international break is over, it's time for the running, trademark. A huge weekend in EFL, tasty battles at the top and the bottom and a few piping hot derbies thrown in too. AFC Wimbledon swap a Robinson for a Bowen but stick to their marks and it's pizza and silverware for Sunday lunch. we will get the Sutton View ahead of the Papa John's Trophy final at Wembley. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hello all, don't adjust your set. This is the Totally Football League show, not one of the later games or match of the day. I'm Robin Cowan, sitting in for Matt Davis-Adams, who's away celebrating the 40th annual Matt Fest Festival, a week-long event celebrating the life and times of your favourite football league presenter. Such was the demand for tickets this year. I missed out on the pre-sale. The website crashed and everything. Don't worry, Matt will be back on Monday. For today, we have two guests with huge EFL pedigree. It's former Ipswich, Luton, Exeter, and I suppose I should include Swindon striker, Sam Parkin. How are you doing, Sam? Doing really well, Robin. Good to see you. (laughs) And you, my friend. And the darling of South East London, it's Millwall's Jed Wallace. How are you doing, Jed?
3: Yeah, very good. Thanks, Robin. And the darling of South London, that's that's the nicest thing I've probably ever been called down at then. So I'll take that for sure. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I think it's true given your increased media profile you know you're starting to build that that nice guy brand and we'll I'm sure continue that that today
3: yeah it's it's all an act it's all an act
2: (laughs) (laughs) you're doing a good job Uh, how's the international break treated you first of all
3: yeah it came um, at a good time I think on the back of a ridiculous schedule coincided with the fact that we had Seemingly an endless list of injuries. Um, so we're sort of playing young lads and finishing games of young 16-year-old uh, Zach Lovelace up front for us. And it's been a difficult run, um, but a great run for us to resurrect our season from looking like probably mid-January we had nothing to play for, um, to be where we are now going into this game against Luton uh, this Saturday. It's a great turnaround from everyone at the club. Um, I think any footballer would tell you coming back from that March international break, you just want to have something to play for so the season doesn't peter out. Uh, going into Saturday, we've we've got a lot to play for, mm. so it's exciting.
2: Four points off the playoffs with eight games to go. Is it sort of nice to be in, sort of being the chasers, I suppose, as opposed to as as a person who was a fan of a team who were chasing right till the end of the season last season, snuck in right on the final day. It was great, and as a player, is it is it really exciting too?
3: Yeah, definitely. It is a different pressure. I think when you're in the top six, it's a different pressure, which is all the credit to Luton, the fact that they've got in there. Uh, unexpectedly and and they've stayed in there and and pushed on again. It's always easier being in the chasing pack. You say we're four points off it, but I think we're 10th. Um, So there's still four or five teams with us, probably Coventry below us who are in the mix as well. It's very hard to sort of pick who's going to do this. And you look at other teams' fixtures, um, the best thing to do is focus on yourself. At this point of the season, for me, the golden rule, if you're in the chasing pack, is if you you play a team above you, you have to win. Um, So we're certainly in that boat on Saturday. And then we've got two home games. So we go to Kenilworth Road, obviously, probably take Fulham out of it and Bournemouth out of it. And it's probably the toughest place to go in the division this season. So we know what a tough game it would be. And it's it's useful, the fact that we've been bang average away from home uh, for a while. So we're going to have to play a lot better than we have recently to, to pick up anything there for sure.
2: Sam, you want to add to Jed Wallace's list of uh, admirers? As we all know you are already, but do you want to add to that?
1: Yeah, I've got, I've got a go-to line, I think, when I'm talking about Jed. Uh, he's probably heard it before. I'm going to you know, blow smoke up his backside here. I think maybe Mitrovic uh, aside, Jed's the most important single player to his club in the championship. I'm not going to get Jed to comment on that, but is there anyone else you can think of, Jed, who has that type of importance um, you know, across across the division?
3: No, nice, so... Uh- very kind of you. Appreciate that. Uh, we've got a fella in between the sticks, big Polish fella. I think they would have something to say about that. But <laughs> Biakowski, I think he's one player of the year. Six out of his last seven years, three at Ipswich, um, couple of ours, and he could well win it again this year. Um, it's hard to probably to look past. Obviously, the impact that Bro and Diaz had at Blackburn. Uh, start of the season, yeah, twenty goals by Christmas gets them to where they are, and all of a sudden don't play. Uh, and then they're dropping down the table. Obviously, I saw out of nowhere he played 85 minutes for Chile on the other side of the world on Wednesday nights I'm sure Mr Tony Mowbray's uh, delighted about that as he as he flies back across the world and uh tries and gets himself ready to go again on Saturday Jed is this um is this the the best kind of
1: period in recent memory in terms of the attacking uh, talent that Gary Rarett can pick from. I know Tyler Bury's come almost from nowhere. I know he was on loan early part of the season, but haven't seen you recently yourself, Bennett, a phobie, You seem to have a bit more of a threat. We know about the defensive stability, but it's been a lot more exciting when I've been at the Den recently.
3: Yeah, nail on the head. You're right, Sam. We've that's where we've we've struggled really. In my opinion, we've got some of the most underrated players in the division in Sean Hutchinson, Jake Cooper, Murray Wallace. Uh, top draw centre-arse at this level. Um, we've always struggled probably scoring enough goals. And like you say, uh, Benick coming in has done, done really well in spells. Tom Bradshaw had a great spell. Um, and then reflective of our season, got injured for three months. Obviously, we've brung in Oli Burke, got injured. Uh, Luke Freeman got injured. So it's, it's been that kind of stop-start season for us. Um, but the lads are coming back from, from injury now. So it's it's all of a sudden, it looks a lot busier at the training ground. I think the numbers have gone from eight or nine injuries to one or two. So it looks good for us. But going into Saturday, we know that our season probably will be much more clear on Monday morning. And we hope that we've still got a lot to play for come Monday morning.
2: But Jed, if you do manage to get that, you know, to that massive game to play for, you've got a bit of a problem, haven't you? Tell us about you. You've got plans for the playoff final yeah. or in and around that.
3: yeah. Yeah, well um I'm meant to be having a, um, a wedding party uh twenty eighth of May. Um so I've got about two hundred people uh coming to a big party. Um but obviously play a final at clashes. Um so split split loyalties in our house is definitely me You would happily miss that to be honest. Um not sure. You say sorry Gaffer,
2: this has been in the diary for some time now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know I know where I'll be. Um but the way I look at it is it could be the most iconic twenty four hours in in ever in the existence of my life if we were to win that player final and then <laughs> roll straight into a wedding party. It could be iconic. Um, so yeah, I think we worry that worry about that a bit further down the line. There's a lot of teams at this stage of the season that are probably looking and thinking, "Am I going on holiday? Am I getting married?" So yeah, I hope I hope that I have that that uh, dilemma at the end of May definitely.
2: is it a nightmare, isn't he, Sam? Poor planning from our man Jed.
3: <laughs> poor planning, but. <laughs> At least he doesn't have to hang out with the lads.
1: So he can get the job done and then just get off to his nearest and dearest, eh? Exactly. Get a shot of them.
2: <laughs> ah, it was all, all part of the plan all along. Um, before we move on, uh, Jed, we do have to ask you the obligatory, I'm afraid, you are out of contract um, at the end of the season. I mean, h- how much are you thinking about it? I mean, of course, you, you're you only human. You've got to think about the future, haven't you? And I'm sure you have.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, like, like you say, I'm only human and... My target at the start of the season was to to get Millwall promoted. That's that's not changed, and now obviously my focus now is just try, trying to achieve that dream. Um, I've never made a secret of it that I want to play at the highest level that I possibly can, as as any good player would want to do. And I've always said that I want I want that to be with Millwall, so I think it would be selfish for me to to worry about my own situation when there's there's so much to play for still with the club. So I've always said to the fans, judge me on my performances and. So far, I've I've done what I've done most seasons. I've had a few good games, a few bad ones, and a few in between. And I've always tried my hardest and see what happens the next eight games, and then worry about uh, my football once I'm once I'm married in the summer. I'm sure my missus will tell me what to do once once knot, the knot the knot is tied.
2: <laughs> Very good answer. So we will see post playoff final, perhaps post wedding party. We'll have we'll have to see what where the wind blows. Yeah. Um, Whatever happens, uh... I'll just I'll
3: just blame it on I'll blame it on my missus like normal. <laughs>
2: That's usually what happens in these situations, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a partnership, you know, exactly. it's getting married now, you can uh, just blame yeah. the other person. Uh, yeah, Definitely. it works every time. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's go to uh, some of the big news uh, we've had this week. Uh, so Wimbledon have hired former Reading boss Mark Bowen as their Mark Robinson replacement. Um, an appointment I felt completely out of left field with Bowen because after a bit of research, he's never played for Wimbledon that's their usual recruitment process it seems Sam what was your reaction when you heard that it was Mark Bowen who would replace Mark Robinson till the end of the season
1: surprised I suppose because I was surprised when he turned up at, at Reading without Mark Hughes if I'm being brutally honest but he did do a pretty steady job there and and obviously had the opportunity to stay involved I think at Reading in a director of football type role. Uh, I know he'd he done that previously. So I shouldn't be too surprised, but yeah, I suppose I was. What I'm not so, you know, what was making a lot of sense to me was to put someone in with experience, you know, um, and he's obviously got great experience in the game. Eddie Vicky is someone that I worked with a long time ago at Chelsea. I'd be a little bit surprised if they that across the level, in all honesty, um, I saw probably Eddie the back end of last season at a championship game, um, which I'm sure I'm sure was his, his remit, given that he was um, at Reading or recently at Reading. So yeah, that that's a bit of a concern. But ultimately, it's about getting a reaction out of a squad in the short term. And that, that's what they'll be, they'll be in there to do, to get points straight away. And we'll see if they can do it. It's a little bit different to what I anticipated happening with Wimbledon this year, because I felt it was a, a year of huge change there you know, in terms of the way they played, you know, a bit more through the thirds, looking to integrate more and more younger players. And I thought it was a bit of a a watershed moment for the club. So it's a shame that this has happened. Needs must.
2: Mm. I remember Jed, when Mark Bowen was appointed Reading manager, there was quite a few jokes because I believe he was sort of on the committee to appoint the new manager and it ended up being himself. Um, So there there were quite a lot of jokes (laughs) around that, but he did, as Sam said, end up doing a good job you know he steered Reading to to safety when they were in a pretty bad position and then it was a bit of a surprise that he was sort of put aside and and offered this role upstairs instead of carrying it on do you think he's the I mean I I guess it's difficult to answer isn't it but is he the the man that could turn their fortunes around it's 20 games without a win then
3: yeah I agree with what Sam said there ultimately how can it be any worse Uh, they're at a point where They probably felt they had to do something uh mark robinson not only as football manager this season as person and human being i understand has been amazing at wimbledon for many many years um so he can certainly walk out of his with his head held high and you see the names that are being banded about uh see the likes of paul lambert alan pardew um, probably much more experienced managers as such um but mark bowen he, he had that that spell and like you say you're looking when you haven't won since december Even you don't don't win in three or four games, you feel like that win's never coming. So I can't imagine how them lads are feeling. So just a new voice, new coaching session, a new set play that could ultimately make the difference for them. Getting that first win will just be so important for them, Um, however it comes. And like you say, it's a six or seven game shootout now for them. And let's be honest, no wins since December. So it's, it's no risk, really. It can't be any worse.
2: Sam, is the squad actually good enough, given the terrible run they've been on? Is it to do with the manager?
3: It's a really good question,
1: Robin, because of... I don't know, is my honest answer. Having lost, you know, Piggott last year, you think, how are they going to replace those goals? And then Palmer was to leave as well. And I know they got a decent sum of money. And I think I said it on Monday's pod that the front two at the weekend haven't scored a goal for in Wimbledon Colours. And uh, there's not loads of firepower in there. They're obviously lacking in confidence a ridiculous amount and when you compare them to some of the other teams in the bottom even you know Doncaster have been capable of the odd result recently Gillingham under Neil Harris have got form have got momentum all of a sudden you cannot say that about Wimbledon clearly you can't say about Fleetwood so it's a huge job but that's a really important point a really valid point from Jed there you know about the set pieces just something to to turn things around. Um, and I'm sure he'll he'll look at the shape straight away and try and probably get that clean sheet as a for, former defender and hope that they can nick something because it's not going to be free scoring in the games that remain. It's gonna be um it's gonna be narrow victories probably in their home games that get some over the line.
2: At the time of recording, no word on whether he will be in the dugout or we'll have that shot of him in the stands watching. I'm really interested to see which one he chooses because if they win, they could do that whole trot out of that line. Well, he came down to the dressing room at half time and gave us a, a team talk. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Or he could, you know, if they absolutely, you know, get battered, then, you know, he could say, well, the well, hard work starts on Monday. So we'll, I'm really interested to see which one he, he chooses. Um, as a as a player, Jed, which one would you like?
3: I think you've got to assess the fixture first, haven't you? Like you say. <laughs> yeah. I, I think ultimately, you, listen. You want to see him in the trenches with you straight away. What I would say to about Mark Bowen is like uh, Sam touched on earlier, he offered a role at Reading and he obviously wants to be a manager. So he walked away Mm. from a a good job as well um, to go and back himself to be a manager. So he'd be more than ready for this challenge. And like I say, I'm sure he'd walk in there, try and give the players some confidence um, and it it can really change very quickly. One result at this stage of the season, as you've seen with many teams, Gillingham, Carlisle, it can completely change the season. Um, So they'll be looking to do that on Saturday.
2: So midweek action, there were four games in League Two on Tuesday night, including wins for Rochdale, Salford and Oldham. And we'll talk a little bit more about them later. And there was a draw between Hartlepool and Mansfield. Let's talk about Salford though, because it's almost under the radar, if that's possible with Salford City, they seem to have got themselves into a pretty good place. And right back in the playoff picture, Uh, Sam, four points off the playoffs, unbeaten since the 29th of January and they only have four of the current top half left to play they're in a pretty good position suddenly
1: they are and to, to, to me it's always been about just being consistent with, with Salford whatever manager's in charge picking the same players backing them playing a, a consistent shape and I think Gary Bowie has, seems to have done that and been given the opportunity to do it this season so just consistency The front three stayed the same for the last four games I know Ashley Hunter was taken off at half time the other day but Thomas Asante and obviously Matt Smith who who Jed knows well that should be a really good front three at that level and you know they've won convincingly the last three home games tougher tests to to come uh, but they have taken points off Swindon and and Forest Green in in recent weeks as well so it's definitely on it's all the way down to them in the the, the playoff battle in in League 2 and they have a little bit of momentum. The Defending has never been an issue under the last few managers. Always one of the best defences. It's just converting the chances. It was the same under Alexander. It was the same under Richie Wellens. And, and recently they got it right in that department.
2: Your old mate, Matt Smith, Jed, has done pretty well. I mean, seeing him in League Two, he's always going to do pretty well there, surely.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of football people around the country would have been surprised when they saw him move there. Um, It's the life of a footballer, the common football fan probably sees Matt Smith sign for Salford. They don't see his uh, one-week-old baby and his his wife living in Manchester while he's living in London. So there's a lot more that went into that move than than just the football. It was the right time, I think, for Big Smudge to make the move. Uh, I've got a lot of vested interest in Salford. My eldest son, uh, his godfather, Tom Kings, the goalie. I've got Matt Smith, obviously, one of my best mates. So secretly, I'm a bit of a Salford fan. So I'm hoping they do it. They've gone on a great run. Uh, and like you say, when you've got that, that firepower up front and probably someone like um, Thomas, is, the lad up front that plays with Smudge, Thomas Asante, sorry, he he's probably going to feed off someone like Smudge and now they can really work on that partnership um, like we touched on before. Having two strikers at that level, they, they can both score goals at this stage of the season uh, on that solid defence that they've always had. Like Sam said, I, I really do fancy them going into the last eight games, to be honest.
2: And Sam, you mentioned Gary Boya there. There were probably possibly times during this season where they could have pulled the trigger. You know they've done it before, and I think um, you know Gary Neville obviously quite a public-facing owner, and he gets gets a lot of stick whenever he fired a manager because he's usually on Sky Sports saying you got to stick with your manager. (laughs) So uh, it is it clearly this just show that they've done the right thing, sticking by him.
1: Yeah, maybe it was one rant too many or <laughs> one manager let go too many. I think Richie Wellens won the he won the uh, Football League trophy, didn't he? Just prior to leaving the gig and he came in for all kinds of stick, Gary Neville. So I think it was something that had to happen because, you know, again, I'm talking from the outside, but I just don't really know what Salford are yet. Uh, and I think, you know, just making copious amounts of signings, I think changing the style, I think they've been a long ball team under Graham Alexander, a team that played. Richie's obviously, Welland's quite fast attacking, proactive football. So I just think they've just gone from, you know, one thing to another based on not getting results quickly enough. So needed to stick with the same guy this year and it looks like it might come to fruition for him but you know it's it's so exciting atop top of that league and obviously i've got a vested interest hoping that Swindon just in 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 front of them don't fall by the wayside
2: hmm. swing from one manager different manager to another that sounds familiar maybe a former club of garys anyway um elsewhere in league 2 <laughs> scunthorpe chairman peter swan has stepped down as chairman with immediate effect whilst Lee Turnbull has become Chief Operating Officer. So some seemingly positive news at last coming from the iron. That's the news. Next, Wedding to Wembley.
0: It's the Paddy Power football supporters support line. We've got Everton fan Tommy on the line. Tommy. yes, these protesters cable tying themselves to the goalposts. Yeah, they're a disruption, are they, Tommy? No, let them have it, I say. The longer they delay matches, the longer we'll stay up. It's not always rewarding being an Everton fan. But if it's rewards you're after, you can get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four-fold bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pretty much online bet, but a bet's only minimum odds one to five per leg. Max free bet ten pounds per day. Seven day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds. Eligibility restrictions and T and C apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware. You're
4: listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
2: This weekend, all the pizzas are up for grab, so long as they're made by Papa John, as Rotherham and Sutton converge on Wembley Way for the EFL Trophy Final. To help us preview the game, Sam caught up with Youth boss Matt Gray.
1: Matt, so uh, Thursday afternoon, um, how are you feeling? Does it feel different to a normal week preparing for a game?
5: Uh, it certainly does. I think when we beat Wigan in the semi-final, um, it was right in the mid- middle of a really busy month for us um, five. that was the first of five away games out of six and, and three Tuesday nights in a row so it, it was obviously a very pleasing night and, and uh, everyone was buzzing but we're soon back into the league and it, it's been non-stop since then until Port Vale the weekend and so I gave everyone Sunday, Monday off uh, so everyone had a, a couple of days rest after the busy schedule but then yeah coming in on Tuesday um, and then the, the training and the buzz around the lads as well as the there was the Papa John's sort of um, promotion afternoon uh, and then it hasn't really stopped since then. So it's, it's really gathering pace leading up to a weekend.
1: If I can just quickly take you back to when you, you took the job, um, what was the remit? What was the the, the the discussions that you had at that point? I presume promotion, uh, League Two promotion battle, and a, a trip to Wembley wasn't a necessity.
5: No, certainly not. Um, Bruce and I was very fortunate. I had a few months uh, just coaching at the club before I got the job, so I got to know the chairman, Bruce, and, and the board really well, and and certainly uh, his and the club's view was they were punching above their weight in the National League and um, just to stay in the National League would, would be a huge achievement. Um, I'm no house, household name um, and, and I was very patient in waiting to get my chances as a number one and I certainly felt that the club was the right fit so obviously with being a young ambitious manager of course yeah, staying up priority but I really wanted to try and kick on as well and it wasn't until the second year that we really got going and, and I believe we had a chance of maybe the playoffs, uh, but to go and win the league um, certainly exceeded everyone's expectations and, and as the chairman jokes, I've sort of failed uh, in his task of uh, not keeping him in the National League. So <laughs> uh, so yeah, and, and, and the same this year, we've hit the ground running and, and suddenly we're in a, a promotion race with, with a month to go left of the season and, and find ourselves in a Wembley Cup final and yeah, not even myself could have dreamt uh, of that.
1: This season, is, is there anything you can pinpoint for the people that haven't seen you too often, that has made the players just adapt so seamlessly to, to life in the EFL?
5: Yeah, I, I think there is a gap in the, in the two leagues that league to a national league, but there isn't a massive one. Mm-hmm. Um, and with us being um, strong and obviously equipped at that level last year, um, the biggest difference for me was the transfer window and, and working within that remit um, and making sure that we recruited well in the summer to make sure we've got the quality and the strength in depth within the squad to be able to compete um, and play week in, week out uh, at the levels we'd have to. Like, likes of playing the Stockports and the Wrexhams, it feels like you're playing against them week in, week out. And uh, it's certainly been a grueling season on that front. But with my sister, Jason Goodliffe, my director of football, Terry Bullivant, we seem to have got the recruitment right again in the summer uh, and helped us um, hit the ground running and, and kick on and keep, keep winning games and keep putting the points, points on the board this season.
1: Um, You spoke of the the players being out with the the trophy in the the town and and, and such like. What's the plan for the next couple of days? I remember obviously doing this week when I was at Luton Town and we actually visited Wembley the day before the game to get a feel for the place. What's going to be the way that you approach it?
5: Um, We were training this morning. I always like... Two days before the game, I like that to be the rest day. We always have Thursdays off before a Saturday game, so we're having Friday off before the Sunday game. So we've trained again today, we'll be off tomorrow, and then we're training as normal on Saturday morning. We're then heading over, so it's a normal training day on Saturday, with lunch after, and then we're heading over to Wembley for a mid-afternoon tour around, like you just said, you did as well. So I think that's important. Um, for the lads to, to have their hour there and any videos, pictures, have a look around, get a feel for it, do what we need to do to then go to the hotel and prepare as we normally do with the evening meal and and uh, the pre-match the next morning and everything stays the same uh, to then know that when we turn up for the, the game on the Sunday, uh, you know, it's game on, we're, we're not shocked by anything here and, and we're here to try and win it. And, and that's certainly that, uh, the, you know, there's no suits here, there's no lads singing in a cup final song or anything like that. It's just as much normality as possible uh, leading into the game because obviously we won a trophy last year and we want to we add to that tally and certainly try and get another one on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I saw you in, in the wake of the semi-final victory at, at Swindon and I mean, to say you were depleted would be a, an understatement. Has the um, has the treatment room miraculously uh, emptied uh, the <laughs> last couple of days? Is everyone available?
5: Yeah, it has. It just, it just seems to just the timing of the things, it was probably the worst couple of weeks I've known since I was a manager of the amount of players and players playing out of position and yeah. having only three on the bench and and, um, and sort of getting through the last four or five games has been very difficult. But even after that weekend game where we seemed to pick a few up, um, I knew they weren't going to be long-termers. And to be honest, you've with you, I've, got, I've, I've got a great bunch of lads and not for one second, but I think they're just holding back for the Wembley final. Um, but it is coincidence they are fit. <laughs>
1: I suppose you can you can flip it either way. I mean, in defeat, in victory, do you think it will give the players the, the confidence or the other side of it, that little bee in their bonnet to go and achieve something which would be sensational in terms of the, the league in the games that remain?
5: Yeah, and, and I've said this to the, the players and the staff several times. We see history makers last year as a, as a group uh, in terms of being a football league club for the first time in the club's history, 123 years. We're history makers in terms of a Wembley final in our first season, and I think it's the first time ever a football league club in the inaugural season have have gone to a Wembley final in a league league cup competition. So we're history makers in terms of getting to Wembley. But I want to create history again in two more facets this this season, and that's to to try and win at Wembley for the first time for Sutton and win the trophy. Uh, and also trying to get back-to-back promotions and be a League One club for the first time. So it's still all to play for with, with Sunday's Cup final and the seven remaining league games.
1: You're going to be incredibly well supported. Understandably, everyone comes out you know, from, from the area or association. People will travel in their droves to, to Wembley. But the bigger picture, do you think that your success this season, last season, is, is adding numbers to the gates, young supporters and, and such like? And do you think... For next season, it's a conversation I had with, with Simon Weaver at Harrogate. Do, do you think that you'll be able to attract a, a, a better quality of player as well now that you, you, you're seen as a not an established lead two side but a very successful side right now?
5: Yeah, I, I really hope that's the case. You, we've got an advantage of being, advantage and a disadvantage if you like, in terms of being a London-based club. You can hopefully attract players here um, but then the cost of living is a little bit more expensive than it is in some other areas. So there's a, there's a pro and con there. Um, but yeah, you certainly want to establish yourselves as a football league club. We managed to do that in our first season and we continue to have a bit of a success. Um but that along with improving and, and trying to catch up if I'm being honest, I'm still working tirelessly behind the scenes of trying to improve things, staffing, uh, facilities, training ground, and really was still not a finished article by no means off the pitch. Um and trying to catch up with the other football league clubs. So yeah, with, with um improving those facilities and, and staffing and structure as well as you know our pitches excellent and ground improvements and you know, we're not here just for, for one or two seasons. We're, we're here to stay in the Football League and, and really establish ourselves like so many other clubs have done coming up from non-league and, and establish ourselves over 5, 10, 15 years as a, as a Football League club and that's certainly our aim too.
1: Matt, who I'm standing in for, normally finishes with some hard-hitting journalism, so um, you you actually answered one of the questions earlier, but I'll still go for it. Um, has there been a nice tailors in Sutton that's um, kitted you out with a suit or are you going bread and butter track suit. No,
5: uh, it's 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 uh, certainly crossed my mind, but I'm, I'm very much, as I say, trying to keep as much normality into the game as possible. Uh, even just personally, I'm a, I'm a track suit manager um, and, uh, I'm a, and even myself, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change what I do and, and where I'm going with it. So I'll be uh, leading the team out in a track suit and uh, I'll leave the suit at home. Uh,
1: and in honour of the, the Papa John's uh, Trophy final... I was in a well-known uh, pizza chain restaurant last night for my son's birthday. Uh, American with the uh, the hot peppers for me. What, what's your what's your go-to topping?
5: Um, it's not that like I don't like spicy food, but with my bald head, it does shine up when it's a little bit warm. Think <laughs> <Speak> for <laughs> so, yourself. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so I, I'm, I'm reasonably plain. I, I, I like a bit of chicken on my pizza, a little bit of meat. So uh, yeah, uh, but not not too much spice.
1: That's controversial. I'll get Matt to come back to you on that one. But um, cheers, Matt. Um, Thanks ever so much. And best of luck for the big day and the rest of the season.
5: Brilliant. Cheers, Sam. Thanks a
2: lot. Sutton boss Matt Gray speaking with our very own Sam Parkin there. A lot to get into, but let's start with the real controversy, Sam. Chicken on pizza. Thoughts?
1: Uh, It's not for me. It's not for me. But I'm not going to have a go at (laughs) Matt um, at this uh, stage of the season when he's doing such a tremendous job. I think Adrian and uh, Matt wouldn't be too pleased with that response as well. I think it's something that's come up before, but um, I'll let him have it. There is a nice one from a well-known supermarket, which I am partial to, that does have chicken. And I've very much changed my way because that's a, that's a new thing that wouldn't have happened in my household a few years ago.
2: <laughs> a changed man, a man with a o- more open mind. Uh, Jed, I know your, your body's a temple, obviously, but do you have a, a preference for pizza topping?
3: Yeah, I'm a man of simple taste, pepperoni for me. Some things don't need to mess around with, no brainer.
2: Well said, well said, my man. As we said, a lot to get into there, Sam, and clearly he's an ambitious man who wants the club to be ambitious. I just wonder if they've almost stumbled upon this ambition because of how well they've done this season in the Cup and in the league.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. You'd imagine the the aspirations, the journey that they're on has just gathered pace at such momentum, probably unknowingly. It really is astonishing. You think about the teams that are jostling up the top of the National League now, for them to get out of that last season, very much unfancied, is an incredible achievement. And there is that surprise factor, I suppose, when you come up. There isn't the gap uh, that Matt uh, Gray spoke of there, but a huge gap between National League and League Two. I don't think it really exists, to be honest. You've seen evidence of that with Harrogate, for example, and Hartlepool this season who are having great campaigns. Um, but yeah, he would never have envisaged this this happening. And yeah, I've seen them a few times. They, they're they just so solid. They all know their jobs. They don't change their, their shape for anybody. They're uncompromising from from set pieces. And they've got that little bit of gold dust at the top end of the pitch or in the wide areas. Um they've got some some talented front players which have taken the division, you know, by a little bit of surprise this year. So it's a really close one to call at the weekend, but you know, it'd be fascinating to see how Sutton go beyond Wembley because can they can they rally themselves, I suppose, to get enough points to get themselves in the playoffs, it would be an amazing story.
2: Yeah they've dropped off a little bit, but Jed Rotherham also Just run into a little bit of a a sticky spot. I think I saw Sutton had opened up another tier at Wembley, such was the demand for tickets. I mean, in this situation, Sutton are the clear underdogs. That's who you want to be, right?
3: Yeah, definitely. If there's ever... Often you hear managers and players talk about, oh, we don't want to be distracted by cup competitions and we don't want it to jeopardise our league campaign, but for Sutton to get to Wembley and sell as many tickets as you said, there's ever a reason to drop off a little bit of form in the league and then that is it. Um, but going up against, for me, the outstanding, most underrated manager in, in the EFL in Paul Warren, the job he's done at Rotherham. Sam touched on it there, Sutton, decent at set plays and so too are Rotherham. Um, so two physical teams, uh, pace and power in both outfits. I think it would be a tight game but I think if Sutton finished 11th and get to Wembley, if you offered that to them in the summer, um, they would have bit your hand off. Uh, so whatever happens now has been a amazing campaign for them and fair play to them
2: So that is the EFL Trophy Final Sunday uh, Rotherham against Sutton United and we'll reflect on that on Monday with Matt Davis Adams when he's back Um, and if all that talk was too Sutton heavy for your liking then keep an eye on The Athletic where Nancy Frostick will be dropping a piece on Rotherham very soon theathletic.com forward slash league show is the place to go if you've not yet got a subscription Right, that's enough pizza talk let's get to previewing the rest of the weekend's fixtures
4: you're listening to the totally football league show part of the athletic podcast network if you want to read more football league content from the likes of nancy Frostic, paul taylor phil buckingham peter rutzler and more of the athletics best writers you can do so by heading to theathleticcom athletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just one pound a month for the next six months that's theathleticcom athletic.com forward slash league show
2: if you like a bit of derby action, then this is the weekend for you. You've got your West Londons, your West Midlands, your South Wales. Uh, what are we thinking, Sam? What's the most fearsome? Or are you just fearful of Fulham?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm fearful of Fulham. That, that's not a derby, though. It is, in, it is geographically. Uh, You're not Robin, having it. A- but QPR and Fulham, there's not nah, There's not too much animosity towards, uh, towards each other there. Fulham and Brentford was the biggie when I was growing up. Obviously, QPR hated Chelsea. That wasn't really reciprocated because Chelsea didn't care about QPR. Uh, so there's quite a lot of that that goes on in in West London. But without doubt, I hope Jed would agree, South Wales derby. That's yeah. a that's a seriously
3: big game. Huge run for my friend, obviously, Steve Morrison. So I'll definitely have one one eye on that. Obviously, we play Swansea then on the Tuesday night. So it'll be a big game for Morrow. And what, what a great job he's done, turn them around. Um, and he'll be fancying their chances, it's a clash of styles, one team obviously in Swansea, pass, 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 pass. Um, it's ridiculous, <laughs> and then obviously Cardiff, who have tried to be a little bit more possession based under Morrow, um, but obviously have that that power up front in Nick Piatsu and Hugel. Um, so that will be definitely a derby, but also an interesting game.
2: Yeah, producer Abby rightly points out slightly odd that Cardiff against Swansea is at 3 p.m. on a Saturday because we're so used to it being on a Sunday. At 12pm being the the usual thing, because that's now a good three more hours of drinking. Um, So yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that one plays out off the pitch (laughs) as well. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to our huge basement battle in the Championship. We're going to focus on Barnsley against Reading. Uh, Reading just about safe at the moment, five points clear of Barnsley. Um, Sam, I wanted to ask you this, really. Uh, Paul Ince has come in. He's had a, a decent record. How much of this is down to the change in manager? It seemed like they did have to make the change, didn't it?
1: Well, yeah, like like Mark Robertson at, at Wimbledon, it, Poundovich, it felt five games, ten games too late, really. I remember being there for the 7-0, was it, against Fulham? you think, there's no way. And that was on the back of maybe six, seven defeats. You're thinking, as a player, you know when you're under pressure. I couldn't believe that he he rallied and, and stayed beyond that. I mean, he seems incredibly likable. He never shirked a question, but the results were just dreadful. The mitigating circumstances were that he didn't have enough of his good players available once they came back into the side and it still didn't really turn around. He had to be let go, but... I think I've answered your question there, really. It's a good squad, especially the attacking players. You know, there's some real talent there and they're going to be missing Meite now for the season. Rina out as well. But I think with Swift, Ajaria, Jow, they should get enough points. I, st- I still believe that. But going into this game, I don't know what Jed thinks. He'll have had much more recent experience of them than me. I think Barnsley had the more cohesive team right now. I think this, the results over the last 12 or so games are pretty similar in terms of the, the points returned. Barnsley actually s- slightly superior. I think since they've been able to add to their squad and um, maybe just alter the style a little bit, they look like they know their jobs. I think Reading's still a bit of a collection of individuals, but probably a collection of individuals that'll get enough points to stay in the division.
3: Yeah, certainly. Um, I think Sam's right. Swifty, <laughs> Top, top player. Um, very important to them. And obviously, and obviously, Lucas Zhao as well. I mean, you, you without being disrespectful to the rest of the squad, like you said, they've got some very good players as well. But if you stop them two, you're halfway there. Um, and the difficulty for Reading is defensively from set plays, they've really struggled. That was a major. We played them recently and it was it felt like you played against a different Reading. Um, all of a sudden, they, they were dropped in, um, looking to counter-attack under Ince, which is very different to what they have typically been the last couple of seasons, but have been very possession-based. Um, and all of a sudden, we had a lot of the ball away from home, which is quite rare for us. Um, scored from a set play. And yeah, it just felt, if, if you can get hold of, like you say, Swift and Jao, you've got a real chance. And Barnsley at the moment, like we spoke about earlier when you're trying to get in the top six, it feels they were dead and buried. Um, probably two months ago, absolutely, definitely relegated. And all of a sudden now, they have that carrot in front of their nose and you feel this game they have to win. Even if Reading draw, I think it's done. So Barnsley go into this game knowing they have to win, and they look good. Like you watch them against Fulham, they look really good. And that's just the Championship is so unpredictable. Um, but Reading will go into this one on the back of and fair play. They got a lot, they've got a lot of stick the Reading players, but to bounce back from three losses in a row and then go to Bournemouth draw and, and beat Blackburn. Um, fair play to Inter and the squad for for them four big points that probably could make the difference in them staying up.
2: So I was going to say, Sam, actually, that Reading can almost relax, but that's that's not the case because if Barnsley Barnsley win, they'll really start to believe that they can stay up and and Reading will be right back in it.
1: Yeah. And I don't think they'll be deterred by that defeat at, at Bramall Lane. I watched a, f- a fair portion of that. And if it wasn't for Wes Fodringham, who made two unbelievable saves, Barnsley could have quite easily got something out of that game. So I think the recent performances, especially at Oakwell, have been uh, been that much better that they come into this game equally as confident as Reading, despite those four points that that Jed spoke of, um, it's a really difficult one to call. It it really is because of they can produce performances there. I think they, you know, that that performance against against Fulham recently, um, and and with the new additions, and maybe a little bit more of an onus of being a bit more front footed, you know, a bit more aggressive, not in the style of and Ishmael last year, but. They've got players capable of going after the opposition. And um, I think that's been evident the last few games. So it is definitely now or never, because obviously a point for Reading, fantastic result. But it's a dangerous game plan for a point.
2: I think this week, Paul Ince has hinted at least that he would be open to staying in the job. I mean, uh, Jed, he was another real left field appointment, wasn't he? I mean, that caught us all on the hop. And uh, yeah, but it's, I mean, it seems yeah. to be working in the short term at least.
3: Yeah, crazy. Obviously, you see young Ince in there, and then his dad's in there. And we, I think, a couple of the lads know Ince from Derby at Millwall. It's just mad, like just so mad. Um, there's always a running joke at every club that one of the players is the manager's son. Um, the, the manager will have a special relationship with a certain player, um, but to actually <laughs> to actually be your dad is just <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so fair play. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah it's very primary school isn't it <laughs> your dad is the only one who's willing to to coach yeah, the crazy. football team are you not Gary Rowett's son then in Millwall
3: no no I think um, I think Ben has got that crown um, but don't get me wrong I think me and a manager get on well but there's always certain ones under under Neil get, they get labelled the son of uh, so you've got Ben in Neil Harris's time, it was uh, Aidan O'Brien or Ben Thompson. So there's always someone, but right? it's a bit of a running bit of a banner. Um, but we've got a bit of a special bond between Paul Robinson. He's took a uh, young Danny McNamara under his wing, both five foot seven aggressive fullbacks. And that is a real match made in heaven. I mean, they are in love, them two, big time. And so, happy days. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff.
2: You'll always be Sam Parkin's son though, Jed. Don't you worry. Don't you worry about yeah, that. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, I'll take that all day long. <laughs> let's get to league one then Uh, a big game for teams hoping to pour more cement on their playoff credentials by the terms of my contract we will discuss the mighty Oxford United who are fifth they travel to fourth placed Plymouth Argyle so Sam it's the battle of the top two goal scorers in league one this probably means being a commentator it's going to be 0-0 isn't it
1: possibly Plymouth so good at home so good at home That's my concern for you, Robin. Um, Only Sheffield Wednesday taking more points. Joint most home clean sheets. So, yeah, I I don't know. I think be reading a little bit Plymouth after a bit of a chasing experience at Portman Road. You know, they've been going so well and completely outplayed there. So, they'll be hopeful that these injuries aren't too bad. It sounds like Hardy's going to be missing for a couple of weeks. But go back to what I've said a few times on the pod, uh, knowing... Um, one of the coaches there, they absolutely love the striking options that they've got. So if one injury was going to happen in one department, they can probably get away with that because they've got Ennis, they've got Garrick and they've got Jeff Cott who I think has been away on international duty but will be available for the weekend. So yeah, a blow missing Hardy because he, he's their, their their top marksman but they've got three talented boys there to, to step in and they'll, they'll feel they can get at Oxford. I think that in you know, Oxford's lack of Uh, defensively minded midfield players has probably been a a regular narrative for the Oxford fans and that's probably why they do probably ship more goals than Carl Robinson would like in terms of you know top half side but very very good uh, attacking side so I'd expect goals but um, obviously hoping that Plymouth nick it, Robin, of course.
2: <laughs> wouldn't expect anything less from a, a former Swindon, Swindon player. Um, so yes, as you mentioned, Ryan Hardy out for up to three weeks for for Plymouth. So they lost to Ipswich after six wins on the spin. So it will be interesting to see how much that has affected them in terms of, of their momentum. As As for Oxford, Jed, I think just in terms of League One in general, that is where... It's at, isn't it? There's I by my count, there's about nine teams yeah. going for promotion in, in League One, and Oxford are now only two points clear of the playoff positions, having been there for so long. So, quite a big pressure game. This, especially against one of their rivals.
3: Yeah, I think League One's improving every year. Uh, you've only got to look at how challenging teams like Sunderland have found it to go back up the divisions. Um, we spoke earlier about him, Paul Warren, unbelievable job. Carl Robinson as well, one of the great underrated EFL coaches. Again. Oxford just seem to go under the radar and are always there or thereabouts every season. Recruitment, really good. Obviously, I know Mark Thomas is head of recruitment there, I think, uh, still there. And I had him at Portsmouth. Um, they always bring in top, top players. Um, and now you look at the options they've got behind that goal scorer in Matty Taylor, in Gavin White, Marcus Brown, uh, Sykes, Bowden. And for me, one of the in terms of out-and-out quality, James Henry, one of the outstanding players in the division has not even played many games, um, so they've been where they have been without him. Um, so, if they can get him back for the end of the season, it would be huge. Going into this game, if Plymouth win, they probably look nailed on for the top six, which would be unbelievable when you think of Steven Schumacher and Liam Richardson, who were second fiddle and assistant managers a year ago. To see the jobs they're doing now uh, is great to see. Wide open division. Think Oxford will do well to get in the top six with with the teams right behind them uh, but certainly feels like a big game this weekend.
1: Hey Robin, Carl Robinson had the best um, Saturday off ever last week he got paid to do his tactical analysis <laughs> on Plymouth didn't he?
2: That's right yeah. <laughs> he did it really well
1: as well <laughs> it was an excellent breakdown actually of Ipswich but where they hurt Plymouth so maybe the Plymouth staff will be aware of that going into this game that um Oxford know that there's a a few avenues to be got at.
2: That was the one, the one downfall, wasn't it? Giving away all his <laughs> tactical secrets. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was all good up until then. <laughs> so, so we'll see. Let's head to League Two then. Another really big game at the bottom. Our pick of the weekend sees return to the bottom of the table as Steve Evans's Stevenage take on recently out of the relegation zone Oldham. So it's twenty third versus twenty second, and Adrian isn't here to stick the boot into Steve Evans. We'll just focus on the football. Um, we're a professional, um, this feels very significant, Sam, doesn't it? H- how do you actually see this one going?
1: Oh, not many goals, probably decided by a set piece. <laughs> um, I think Stevenage have been woeful in that department. Um, only Walsall conceded more, letting two at, at Exeter in Steve Evans' first game from corner kicks, if memory serves me right. So He'll want to go in there straight away and shore that up. Um, I'm, I would imagine a large portion of this week's training has been spent on the the dead balls, the restarts, whatever they call them these days. Um, haven't worked for him, but I think we can all guess what what type of week it's been probably for the Steve and his players that have gone through everything. You know, tactically. Uh, how they're going to approach these last few weeks of the season. I mean, this game is absolutely enormous. He didn't make wholesale changes the other day. Um, I think he played a a diamond. And what John Sheridan, I suppose, has got over him, is he's been in there longer. Um, But other than that, for me, pound for pound, Stevenage Steven has got better players. I know Adrian spoke of the age of the squad the other day, which is, I think, a valid argument. But I think I'd rather have the lads that have been in this situation before that have got the battle scars, uh, even if they're um, they're carrying a few few more years than the op- the opponent, so <laughs> yeah, I think this will be a really tight game. But I can see Steven is staying up. They've won six games at home, one away from home. If they can arrest that dreadful away form, I think they'll get the points at home probably to stay up.
2: I mean, Jed, it, it's like Groundhog Day, isn't it? John Sheridan goes back, and you just expect them to stay up, don't you? So, I mean, th- this is the game, though, isn't it? Where You feel like if they do win this one, they'll be well on their way.
3: Yeah. um, I'm not 100% on top of my League 2 knowledge, but I just feel like John Sheridan and Oldham Athletic Football Club has been a revolving door for the whole time I've been a professional (laughs) footballer. He's back there again. I I agree with Sam. I think you look at the team's fixtures, I think Stevenage will be okay when you look at who Barrow have got to play. When you look at Oldham, I think their next five is Port Vale, Northampton, Forest Green, Salford and Tramley. I mean... This is a massive game for Oldham. For me, Oldham have to win. I agree with Sam. Stevenage, if they can get a, get a nil-nil, it's, it's probably enough for them. Um, looking at their games that they've got to still playing, obviously the game in hand, but what good's a game in hand when you ain't won in your last 10? So it's it's a tight game. Sam's right. It's not going to be for the classic. There, it's going to be tight, nitty. Um, people will be nervous and two experienced managers that will probably be more keen to not lose the game than, than maybe win it.
2: Sam, it looks like, I mean, they both have extremely terrible, dreadful defences. But just looking at this, Steven, scores scores 30, just 34 goals in their 38 games so far, has that been the sort of issue all season?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think so. You know, there's been a period here recently where I thought Paul Tisdale had made some really good acquisitions. Um, they picked up, uh, looked like, uh, Norris was rediscovering his form. I know he, he scored in the in the last game and, and Taylor from uh, the xx exeter player who Tisdale would have known well, looked like him playing kind of off a, a striker was going to be a recipe for success for the rest of the season. But why they've lost their way, I don't exactly know because again, I look at that squad in comparison to to Scunthorpe, uh, to Oldham, to Barrow, I would put in there as well. And I can't compare. Stevenage have... Much more quality, I think. You know, I'm probably harbouring on because I played against a lot of these guys and I think, oh, he's gone there and oh, he's ended up there and yeah, they're they're not, you know, at the uh the right end of twenty anymore, but there's there's some vastly experienced guys with good quality. So I think it's probably <laughs> it's probably the right manager to, to get a reaction out of some of these boys and
2: get them over the line. I guess it depends what sort of character you are. What what you respond (laughs) to.
1: You can stomach it for a month, Robin. Even I could have handled him for a month, I'm sure. (laughs) Think about the beach. Think about the beach.
2: (laughs) Okay, so those are our preview picks. We've heard all about those games. Producer Abby, what do Paddy Power say about these ties? Well, of the four ties that we've been looking at, only two of the teams
4: are odds-on in uh, Paddy Power's eyes. And those teams are Rotherham, who, of course, face Sutton in the pizza trophy. That's three to four if you're going to back Rotherham. And possibly, surprisingly, it's uh, Stevenage, who are the other odds-on team. They are four to five to beat Oldham. Uh, looking at the other Teams well stick we'll stick with the League Two team as we're there. If you fancy um, Oldham to win there seven to two, and if you fancy that to be under two point five goals, that's going to be six to ten. We'll move up to um, Plymouth v Oxford. Very sorry, Robin. It's Plymouth who are the favourites here seven to five. Oxford seventeen to ten, and if you fancy over two and a half goals, that is three to four. And finally, in the Championships, Reading v Barnsley. Barnsley the favourites six to five. Reading eleven to five. And if you look looking at that one 0 win for the home side, that
2: is. 13 to 2. Those are your odds. Way unless less 13 to wrap it up there. Thank you very much, Abby. You can find these odds and more at paddypower.com. Odds are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Right, before we go, some news has caught my attention. Uh, Our noble leader, that's Oxford United's noble leader Carl Robinson will be, will be running a half marathon in London on Sunday. Uh, supposedly, former Swindon manager Phil Brown has donated the most so far to Robinson's effort, at three thousand um, pounds. Although Abby has had a look at the Just Giving page and she can't find it, so maybe Carl Robinson was just playing with us. Very strange, Phil Brown's, but he's just become a dad again, and I'm not sure his missus would would thank him for. For being so um, slapdash with mm.
3: the, old, the old, My cat. only forties. As as he sold those cravats he was wearing when he was at Southend
2: to oh. so raise the money. <laughs> we check, Abby. Can you check eBay to see if they're on there?
3: There's no way that there's no way anyone's paying for one of them. Surely <laughs>
2: <laughs> that that'll be very interesting. Very interesting. Facebook Marketplace, eBay, Vinted. Let's have a look. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, we want to ask you to wrap up, uh, chaps. Your biggest running effort, apart from, you know, a 90-minute a uh, slog perhaps on a, on a pudding of a pitch, and what would you dress up as if you were to run a marathon or a half marathon, if you are going to do one of those, those fancy dress ones? Sam, we'll start with you. What do you reckon?
1: Well, I ran the marathon, London Marathon, the, the year after I retired. Um, wow. It was amazing. I'd never do it again, but <laughs> it just reaffirmed to me what a what a brilliant city London is. honestly, I just ran on the inside lane next to all the the people supporting it was It was glorious
2: but you weren't dressed as a banana or anything.
1: I wasn't no, but I did run past the bloke with the well I hope I ran past him with the fridge on his back um <laughs> which was a magnificent effort um <laughs> So I don't know. The only fancy dress I own is Bjorn Borg, which I wheel out for every <laughs> single event. So I could do that. It's a really, it's quite a nice retro feeler. You know the whole lot. It's 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 lovely. I wear these zip up top in my own leisure time. Um, other than that, I'm staring at a Teletubbies balloon. Um, that was my for my eldest boy's second birthday yesterday. Oh. So maybe a Teletubby so he could pick me out.
2: Oh, I love that. We could all we could all dress as a Teletubby. If I, I'll call, I'll, I'll be Poe, Um, I think as the smallest one. Um, but I love that.
1: I would definitely get r- rid of the uh, love handles that are developing wearing a Teletubby outfit, <laughs> wouldn't I? In, in May or whenever it is.
2: Oh yeah, it'll hide a multitude of sins. The uh, the Teletubby outfit. But if anyone sees uh, Sam or Bjorn uh, Bjorn Borg running around Sam's sort of neck of the woods, then it may just be Sam parking, not not the uh, the former tennis player. Uh, Jed have you I mean I guess you you save your your biggest running effort for the for the actual football pitch don't you um but do, have you thought about perhaps doing a, a charity run in some sort of weird fancy dress
3: oh i don't know fancy dress i probably i did once go on christmas party dressed as latan ibrahimovic head to toe so i could always wheel <laughs> that back out um or something to cover my face so when people saw me after Eight, eight miles and I'm not used to running long distance they saw me flagging and getting overtaken by a 50 year old librarian they go there's no way that guy's a professional athlete uh, so something to to cover my face so no one knew it was me when I was getting uh, lapped by the average Joe probably I can't believe after a long hard career Sam that you wanted to go and run around again around London you must be crazy
1: I think if memory serves me right your manager was running it the same year
3: yeah, he Gary loves Rowett. it. He still does it now. I quite often see him running around Canary Wharf, yeah.
1: And when you when you come beyond Canary Wharf, which is you go through a tunnel, then up like a, I called it the travel later, and people are on their last <laughs> legs. I mean, there's just bodies everywhere and debris in this tunnel. I uh, stumbled across Clark Carlisle, who, a uh, former really? teammate of mine, and I was still relatively fresh, and I jumped on his back. <laughs> Didn't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Brilliant. But you think the man with the man with the fridge had jumped on him, maybe? I
1: think I think Clark was nearly in tears, so that's how his marathon was going. He was going backwards.
2: <laughs> Which is exactly why I will never be running a half marathon, marathon, whatever. <laughs> the word marathon won't be Entering my vernacular, and I won't be won't be completing any of that anytime soon. Uh, if you want to donate, Carl Robinson is running an aid of prostate cancer UK. So if you want to support that cause, you can head to the Oxford United website for more information. That's just about it from us today. Matt will be back on Monday to review all the biggest games from the weekend, and not making any huge promises, but quite possibly if he has room in his diary we will be with Wickham legend Adebayo Akinfenwit too so don't miss that thank you very much to Jed and Sam for their company today but most of all to you for listening until next time goodbye
4: you've been listening to the Totally Football League Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash show The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production.
0: The Athletic.